Don't miss the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo coming to the Salt Palace Convention Center February 13th to the 16th. See the latest gear and over 500 outfitters and exhibitors. Go to HuntExpo.com for details. Your reaction to the Jazz getting the win in Dallas. Moutier coming in, giving them some solid minutes, looking good. Clarkson coming off the bench and having as many assists as Joe and more points than Donovan Mitchell. He do what he do. 25 points and 8 assists. Clarkson, killing it. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's just uh, he's a machine now. He's become something that you just plug in the computer and you get it out every time. And, and Moutier, man, he put me in a great Moutier. I love being in a great Moutier. 12 points in 15 minutes. It's better than the Moutier Blues. And that really tends to be what jazz games come down to now is, hey, we can outscore you. They are a decent defensive yeah, team. I think that's the but, league. But offensively, fill it up. I think that's where the league is trending. More offense, more shooting, space in the floor, mm-hmm. and you got to be able to hit those open shots. Yeah. When you see an open shot in a game and a guy misses, you cringe. It's like, oh, they got to stop. Yeah. I mean, you look at the magic. I'm looking at scores. We got it on our rundown sheet here last night. Nuggets, 127. Bucks, 123. Raptors, 137. Magic, 135. Toronto, 137, 126 yeah. winners over Minnesota. And then you have the Hornets and the Pistons, 87 to 76. And well, those, those two, teams suck. Yeah, those two teams aren't going anywhere. Hey, they're just trying to throw it back to the 90s. No, no okay. they suck. They're, they, they're not good enough. But even the Brooklyn, Indiana, 106-105, that's now a low-scoring game. Yeah. And that used to be a pretty high-scoring game. Pretty decent. A few years back, yeah. So, I think that's, that's where we're going. But when you're three points, not two, and everybody's shooting more three-pointers. Yeah. Scores are going to get higher. Right. So, it's just a product. I can't say they're a bad defensive team, because their not, scores right. are going up. I mean, yeah. I, I just got to look beyond the numbers. I think they're decent. Defensively. Well... Particularly if guys are going to challenge uh, Gobert. So, they're playing better. This Conley thing, for some, it's going to be an issue for the rest of the year and in the next year. And what about Mike Conley? You brought up earlier this year the fact that, you know, could the Jazz get in trouble if everybody went cold at the same time? Yes. (laughs) You think they've got enough shooters that somebody will stay hot. I think they've got enough scores. What I mean Clarkson by that, isn't a shooter as much as a scorer. He's a little bit of both, though. Correct. I feel good with him on a catch-and-shoot So three. do I. But yeah. if it's not working, he finds oh, a way to get himself inside. He, he definitely he definitely gets points off what you would He's call strong. scoring, not shooting. He's yeah. shifty. He's got, like, big man footwork <clears throat> uh, to be able to pivot and up around, under. Around the hoop, yeah. 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 And then throwing in, he threw up a little hook. Yeah. He's a scorer. Now he, and he can had shoot a little, too. He had a little push shot too. He scored uh-huh. on that I was a total you. big man play. And and we've seen Mitchell take it to the basket. And I do think that uh, Conley has shown a little bit of more of ability since he's come back from the injury. I don't know what the numbers are because I don't worry about that stuff. But he's finished. But in better. my mind, he's scoring better at the basket. He is. I think without question. Yeah. And we can ask Locke the numbers because we don't have to do the math because Locke will do it for us. Exactly. But they're going to be better. He is Between absolute... you and Locke, man, I can just sit back. <laughs> you just don't have to do math. 
Right, Mike. Although it's funny I when I ma- off. when I mangled math on TV, you got to pop off. You did the math right, five. and you popped up. I still mangled it. <laughs> I told you I can handle five. We start getting the nine, <laughs> I get a little confused. So you can do basketball numbers, but not baseball numbers. Yeah. Well, what? Something in a about nine plus eight. You give me eight plus eight, but nine plus eight, I got to really think. I don't, I don't know. know what it is. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, I know, but I and I also think Joe, the ball in Joe's hands. He can create. Obviously, he can create. He had some nifty passes again last night. The shot, his shot, he only was one for seven on three, but I thought he shot the ball fine. I thought there it was just a, didn't go in. Yeah, it didn't go in. It didn't go in. There, there was a couple there of some that shots that looked like sure it was going, were going in. in, and they yeah, didn't. Yeah. They just didn't go in. But the, the, but the pick and roll he ran with Bradley. That was sweet, <laughs> that man. Made me, You're making Tony Bradley look like an NBA player. I watch games very quietly, usually. That one, like, oh, not me. I'm standing up. I got ACDC blasting. Do you really? Oh yeah, it's it's. it's you wear that DJ and PK ACDC style shirt during games. Is that like the lucky hoodie? Well, I cut off the arms, obviously. Obviously. I didn't even (laughs) bring that up. That was understood. I didn't have to say that. You got to show the guns off, baby. (laughs) And did you cut them off or did you tear them off? Be honest. I ripped them off. That's what I thought. You know the Jazz are going well this season as a whole, I always go downstairs to watch the game. Right? And uh, my wife's not a big regular season. Well, last night, I get a text at like uh, 10 to 7. What, games, what station is the Jazz game on? Turns really? Yeah, yeah. Mrs. K getting sucked into regular season NBA basketball? She's falling a in love with Bogdanovich. A road game. Wow. Yeah. Because she'll go to home games. And and playoffs. Yes. Yeah. But, like, the last few games on uh, Fridays and Saturday nights, she's actually watched it with me. Interesting. I do think it's a little bit of diversion because we lost our dog and it's really hit her hard. And that was a lot of time in the evening spent with the dog. So I think there's a little bit of a diversion there, which is fine. You know, I mean, that, to me. Uh, but we've talked that that's what sports is good for. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what. Yes, yeah. It's, yeah. It's something for yeah. somebody who's lost their spouse sitting at home. You always talk about how, because the Dodgers and the, the Pac-12 network have these ongoing TV battles. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, you know someone who's older and they've lost a spouse and they're living alone. And it's good to have, you know, that was, you know, hot rod. And it's probably what Bowler and and locker evolving into but you know for years it was like hot rod's voice in the winter yeah. people living alone and or you're shut in yeah. whatever it might be right yeah yeah absolutely it's a diversion it's entertainment that's why colton not watching the games come on colton it, it's entertainment colton particularly when one comes right after another and they're not they i would venture to say they don't have a streak more of losing than five Maybe they maybe they lose six. I don't see it. So right, but is it going to turn out to be what we talked about with the Lakers when they had their four game losing streak? They won seven before, nine after, so they were sixteen out of twenty. And and Locke was getting to this point in his. Uh, I thought they had a good interview with uh, Moody. I enjoyed that. And Locke made the point afterwards. Said, you know, don't worry about the three game win streak and the five game losing streak. What are they over the bigger chunk of time? tells more truth than even you know, even a bad team can have a win streak and even a good team can have a losing streak and since the Clarkson deal which obviously changed the team they're 17 and 6 that's a 60-61 win pace 
Now, they got to it later in the year, so they're not going to get to 60 or 61 wins this year, I wouldn't think. No, I but don't But they're on so pace weird. for 50 now, and they're playing a little better than that. So if they end up at, you know, 50, I don't know, 55, 56, 57, we'll have to see how it shakes out. It's a pretty good neighborhood, and it's certainly a step up from the neighborhood they've been in in the last three years. They've been 48, 50, and 51 wins. Now, will that set them up any better in the postseason? Because that's the well, ultimate prize. It remains prize. to be seen, but I can think I can say this fairly comfortably. That I've said that for many, many years, the objective as a coach is to get whatever talent that the team has out of it. And that that varies from team to team, from league to league, whatever. And I'm very comfortable in saying that Quinn Snyder's teams, he's gotten what he's supposed to get out of them. I don't think that maybe the one year when they didn't make the playoff and they were halfway decent... And they were talking about, oh, the metrics said we should have won a few games more. Yeah. Maybe that year. But other than that, I can't say, wow, they they underachieved. I'd have to go back and look at that year, but I think that was a case of they started slow and they finished great that year. Yeah, and so... So they, he was getting it out of them at the end, but the fact they didn't get it out of them and early. They, and they didn't make the postseason, but they put themselves in like postseason pressure like regular season games at the yeah. down the stretch and so then they were able to develop that but once Dennis Lindsay and now Zanuck's into the equation too with others once they've given coach Schneider enough horses to get to the postseason they've gotten there and the teams they've lost to have been very good yes and they they've been better yeah so this year here I feel confident in saying you talk about that 50 whatever Whatever it is supposed to be, I think he gets it out of them. Now you say they're not going to win the title. I probably, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't bet against it. Bet with it that they would anyway this year for sure. I'm with you on that. But I do think that this team. We'll have to see what the matchup is. But this team has the capability of a decent second round series. They've been pretty much getting smoked in the second round the two times they made it. And last year you had the Houston issue. Uh, but I'm expecting improvement there. I'd be very surprised if they were non-competitive in the second round. So I'm, I'm not assuming they even win the first round because I don't know what the matchup is going to be. Right. But I, I, to me, that's where this potential of this ball club is to have a strong second round series. And, and maybe they win it, maybe they don't. But I'm... I, I, I look at Coach Schneider's team, and I think he's getting out what he's supposed to get out of it. I mean, who's right now, right now, as we speak, who's underachieving on this team right now? Not last month, but right now. Uh, you could run through a handful of guys in individual. I don't know what you're getting. At I don't here see exactly. anybody. Oh, okay. I think he's getting out of them what they're so supposed to do. So what you're seeing game to game is just guys having an off game. You know, Bogdanovich or Ingles doesn't shoot it well. Yeah, these guys aren't but, superstars. But they're not bigger. Malone here who's going to give it to you at 19 out of 20. Right. But bigger picture, everybody seems to be at least getting, I don't know. 85% of what they're I don't think to do. Conley's underachieving right now. This is who he is at this point in his career. On this team. You put him back in Memphis, and he'd they weren't better, winning. He'd get better he, stats because he, he, he have the ball in his hands right. all the time, and he get more shots. Right. But here, because there are so many guys who can handle the ball, and there's so many guys who can shoot, 
His numbers aren't going to be the same. And the increase of emphasis is on winning. It's not on developing. It's on winning. They're not in a process of developing. You're always developing, of course, but the emphasis here is on winning, not developing for the future. The emphasis is on winning tomorrow night against Miami. And then so So if the backup center spot isn't as good as it should be, it's not because guys aren't giving you what they can give you. Yeah, maybe they miscalculated on Ed Davis. Right. But this is who they are at this point in his career. Maybe Bradley would be better in two years, but this is who he is right now. Right. There, there are nights he this seems is, to come this, in. He's basically a rookie this year. Yeah. There are nights he comes in and guys just blow by him and it's a layup drill. Yeah. Well, Westbrook actually in Houston. He came in and just yeah. lit him up. Right. But Westbrook. then there are other nights he comes in and you know, they actually go oh, on a little bit of a run. I thought he was exceptional against Houston, though, with the tip outs. Oh, now, yeah. 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 I can't get the rebound, but I'm gonna. I see where my teammates are beyond the three point line. I'm gonna volley it out. Well, you them. know that. Yep. that's usually where the guys are because guys are you gotta have a couple guys back. You can't just allow unencumbered fast breaks. Yeah. So you know you're gonna have guys back there. Bat it out to them at half court. Yeah. So in his limited role, he did it, and I thought Niang now has put together two halfway decent games. What's the freaking deal with the minivan? What did I miss? I think that uh, his teammates were making fun of the way his body is shaped. That was a little body shape. And he going said, on. and he said, a minivan still gets the job done or something. Such. Right. And yeah. so now he's minivan. Okay. All right. All right. DJ and PK coming up more with the Jazz. Ben Anderson from the Jazz pre-half and post-game show is going to join us. Heard him on the broadcast last night. He's going to check in with us next. We'll get his take. And Chris Burgess, BYU men's assistant basketball coach, at nine o'clock on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz making three straight wins. They sweep a road back-to-back. First Houston, now Dallas, 123-119. Jordan Clarkson, 25 points and eight assists off the bench. Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich with 23 points apiece. Jazz are off tonight. They host the Miami tomorrow and then have the All-Star break for more than a week. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Nuggets came from 23 points down. They rallied to beat the Spurs 127-120. to And Toronto wins their 15th straight game. Raptors beat the Hawks 137-126. to College basketball tonight, Utah State is in Fort Collins to play Colorado State. Games at 7.30 on the CBS Sports Network. And listen to it here on The Zone. Scotty G's got the pregame at 7 o'clock. Top of the Wire brought to you by Minky Couture. What are you giving your Valentine? Make it a special personal gift from Minky Couture. Learn more at MinkyCouture.com. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Finds Bogdanovich. Contested three. Good! And the Jazz win! Matt Thomas, the play-by-play voice, the Houston Rockets, kind enough to join us and take some harassment. First of all, is it really kind of me to be on the show today? Yeah, it is. It's actually really kind of you. Really kind. I didn't didn't think you'd return Lloyd's text, to be honest with you. I mean, I like Lloyd so much. He's like, you want to come on today? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to come on today after Boyan Bogdanovich hit the contest three to get the Jazz to win. (laughs) There's nothing more in life. I want to kiss my wife, hug my baby, and come on the 1280 Midday Show. That's what I want to do in that order. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. 
Jazz do it again. They win in Dallas. That's what we were talking about with Steve Cleveland. Confidence is such a weird thing. Coming down the stretch during that losing streak, you just knew they were in trouble in some of those games. Coming down the stretch against Dallas, didn't you think, Dallas is going to make it closer because they're not going to be blown out at home in front of their fans, but they're not going to win this. They never tied it up. No, once it got 83-80, the Jazz responded quickly, and then I took a a sigh of relief. Because we've seen 20-point leads at halftime be blown a million times. I mean, the Spurs did it last night. You know, I mean, fourth quarter 20 point leads is another story. But halftime, especially at home, you know they're going to go on a run. Guys are going to get hot. Seth Curry can hit shots. Brunson can hit shots. You know, Porzingis is a halfway decent player. I mean, they're missing their best player. Uh, and the Jazz withstood the run. Clarkson came in, restored the lead to 16, and they got the job done. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Locke, Locke put it on Twitter when you have a 15-point lead in the NBA in the fourth quarter. It's like 389 and 7 or something like that. 389 Fourth wins. quarter, I'll go with it, but yeah. not halftime. Right. No, and that was he didn't put it up at halftime. Right. He put it up in that quarter break when they had pushed right. the lead back over 15. He's yes, like, well, yes. At this point, you know, you got like a 98, 99% chance of winning literally in the NBA. That's just the way it works. All right, time to bring in Ben Anderson. You heard him on the pre-half and post-game show. Well, you've been hearing him all year long, and you heard him during the game as the Jazz beat the Mavericks, and he joins us on the Sprint Special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. So I'm curious how you explain the confidence level with the Jazz. How in the world does this work? Because they looked so shaky during the five-game losing streak. they just like, oh, no, we might lose it. And I never thought they looked like that in the fourth quarter. Even though it got tense, they had to hit some shots and all that to push a four-point lead back to seven or whatever. They did it, and it just seemed like they were going to. What the heck is the difference one week to the next? There is a weird momentum team, uh, thing going on with this team where I, I don't know if it's youth. Uh, I, I don't know if they just don't know any better because of their youth, where when things are going well, everything seems to be going well, including you know weird runs like what they saw from the bench in that third quarter. Uh, and then when things go poorly, like nothing goes right, like losing five games in a row, even when you're playing very shorthanded teams and some teams where it just looks like matchup-wise, you should have a much better opportunity or a much easier chance to get some wins. Uh, when the momentum is good, they're great. And when it's bad at all, it seems like it really falls apart. And we've seen that a couple of times this season, most recently the five-game losing streak. Uh, and then, of course, uh, in early December when they lost four of five on the road, and I think they lost six of eight overall, uh, and were just bad. Uh, it, so it's strange. And then, of course, they go on their hot streaks, and they win 19 of 21 or three in a row against playoff teams or near-playoff teams like they've done recently. They just kind of go whichever way the wind is blowing and and that's good and bad because in sports we've seen that be very successful where the Washington Nationals will get hot and win a World Series because they play well for a couple of weeks or you know a month to close the season the New York Giants have done it seemingly having a 500 regular season and getting in the playoffs and beating an undefeated Patriots team uh, but also if you're playing bad towards the end of the season that's a little scary because you could you could exit in the first round Jordan Clarkson continues to amaze. Now, I followed him to a degree, more so when he was with the Lakers than Cleveland. Uh, And he's been a double-figure scorer every year he's been in the league. So, you know, I thought when I first heard the trade, I thought, okay, that's pretty good. Exum isn't giving you anything. Clarkson should be able to give you about 10 to 12. 
but pushing it towards 30 and being able to score almost to the point of effortlessly. Now, I know it's not that, but it certainly looks like that, particularly on television on these away games. I got to say, he's really, really impressed me. What was your expectation when, when he came in and now your level of uh, how you would evaluate him the way he's playing? So I'll admit, I kind of liked Jordan Clarkson going back to his uh, L.A. days, obviously the same way you had mentioned, because you had seen there was something there. Uh, And then when the Cavs acquired him, I actually thought, okay, that makes sense because LeBron James could use just a scoring punch off the bench. And those guys, I mean, historically, going back a long time, good six men, even if they're just scores, was it Benny Johnson with the Detroit Pistons in the 80s? Those guys have always just kind of made sense. They can work. And then sometimes it looks like they're going to work or they do give you points and it actually doesn't help your team. So that's kind of what's dicey about that specific type of player. But I know the Jazz like Jordan Clarkson when he was coming out of Missouri as well. And I tend to trust the the Jazz instincts. Certainly Dennis Lindsay's uh, draft history is much better than it is worse. So the fact that the Jazz liked him a little bit I think is intriguing. Quinn Snyder obviously has some ties to Missouri and, and probably heard some things about him of what type of a player he is. But I thought he was going to come in and just be a scorer. I thought you were, like you said, uh, PK, it's probably 12 to 13 points. I didn't think he had long stretches where he would score 20, 25, 37, 22, exactly what he's giving you right now. I, I thought, honestly, just by not watching him every night, he was probably a little bit more like Jay Crowder, not in his style of play, but in his style of scoring where one night he might give you 25, and then the next night he might give you four, and as a result you get a 13-point average, and you just take it. But he's not that. and He's just he's much more consistent as a, as a scorer. He really seems to understand his role on this team. And then I think he's actually more than just a scorer. I know his assist numbers last night were particularly inflated. He doesn't give you eight assists most nights, but, most nights, but he plays really hard, which I guess surprises me. He is a pretty instinctual passer, even if he doesn't always get a ton of assists. He makes really smart passes. So he's just better at everything than I expected, and that's been a welcome surprise. Ben Anderson joining us here, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. So Mike Conley, everything hits pause as he doesn't play back-to-back, and I guess that's not really that surprising the way things are going in the NBA. But do you feel bigger picture over the last week or two? Do you see progress being made? Does he fit in better? And do you think there's more progress to be made? I think there's a lot more progress to be made, but I think the last week in his four games where he's averaging 20 points and five rebounds and four assists and shooting 45% from the floor and 50% from the three-point line are are very promising. I, I don't think he does that for the rest of the season. I mean, I think that's unreasonable to expect, but you can see that he can still get back to that level for stretches, and you may need him to do that for uh, the entire playoffs, and if not, maybe just a playoff series. Uh, and that's huge because he makes a lot of money, and he makes, you know, he needs to be a big part of this team. He's going to get 30 minutes when he's healthy. So I think you need to see that he has the ability to do some of those things. And over the last week, he's done it. And then, you know, uh, we we talked a couple of weeks ago, guys, about how do you use him in the playoffs or what's the expectation for him? And again, as teams can start to take away some of your options, the way the Rockets took away Joe Ingles last year, you have to give something up. And if you're going to switch everything to try and take away some of the Jazz three-point shooting, which the Rockets have been able to do, you've got to be able to isolate against those teams that want to switch. Because if you isolate, they can't switch on defense. And Mike Conley can do that. And you saw that against the Rockets on, was that Sunday night, I guess, two nights ago now. 
his ability to attack off the dribble, if you're a little bit bigger than he is and a little bit slower than he is, he can get all the way to the rim. And if you can cut that off, he'll hit a floater. And if you can you know, back off of him so he doesn't drive, he'll hit a three. And, and that's just what really good isolation players do. And, and he can do that. And we've seen the Jazz specifically lack that at times over the last two years in the playoffs. And, and we've seen the value of it when they've had it, whether that was Joe Johnson against the Clippers. You, you need to have that guy in the postseason. Sometimes you need to win a one-on-one matchup. And I think Mike Conley provides that, and I think we've learned that the last week. Yeah, I'm not so worried about him individually. I'm more concerned about how the players play with and off of him. And to me, that's the big issue. Are they as effective? Are they effective enough to make sure that the team is in the position to win rather than looking at Mike Conley's contributions individually and solely unto himself? So going forward, how do you think the guys are going to be playing with him, around him, and all him and all that type of stuff. I buy into some of that because clearly some of the numbers are down with guys around him. I also think it's their responsibility to be better and not Mike Conley's responsibility to make them better. And I know Quinn, Quinn Snyder's job is to make sure he's got the best five guys out there and find the units that work. And, and I absolutely believe in that. But if Joe Ingles starts missing open shots because Mike Conley's on the floor, I don't think that's Mike Conley's fault. Uh, but, but I do understand the concept that the team's got to be playing well as a whole. I do think they're still readjusting clearly to what Mike Conley offers, uh, and they're going to get back there. But also, you know, Mike Conley's a better point guard than, than Joe Ingles is. And Joe Ingles is a really good player, and, and when he has value, he has enormous value. Uh, and, and even last night when he didn't shoot well without Conley on the floor, he gives you eight assists, and you see his value there. Uh, but what Mike Conley does, he's better at than anyone else on the team. So you've got to find a way to use that. And I think you have to find a way to keep that on the floor. And and honestly, it's going to require the rest of the guys adjusting as much as it's going to require Mike Conley adjusting to them. And I think that's the vision the Jazz had. I think it's the the vision the team is committed to because they continue to put Conley out there in those situations and ask everyone to play off of him. And I think you're going to see that. And I think it's going to help in the long term guys like Donovan Mitchell, who in the playoffs don't have to be the only guy doing it. I mean, we might not see... Donovan Mitchell is the best player in a series. He might not be the second best player in a series. And and the Jazz are probably going to be in good shape if that's the case. If either Rudy Gobert comes out and is great like he was against Oklahoma City a few years ago, or if Mike Conley comes out and is the best player in a playoff series, which he's done several times in his career, that's probably a good recipe for the Jazz if they're going to win a playoff series. You're probably going to not need uh, or hope to not have to need Donovan Mitchell to be a superstar who averages 30 points a game because that's a lot to ask still from a third-year player. It's just I think the whole thing that has to come together here is there's a rhythm to the offense and the way the ball moves. And I thought with Conley out there, I thought regardless of who the combination was on the floor, that the last two games, Houston and Dallas, you could feel it. And I think there are three guys who are likely to break the rhythm of the offense, and they're all new to the team. And it's fine to break the rhythm of the offense if you get all the way to the hoop and you get a high percentage shot, but you can't break the rhythm, go one-on-one, and then pick the ball up after five seconds and go, nope, this isn't working, and throw it to Bogey or Joe or whoever and think that now you're going to get a good shot in that possession. And so I think that knowing when to break the rhythm of the offense and go one-on-one, it's a kind of finely tuned thing, but it feels to me like Moutier, Clarkson, and I get Moutier doesn't play a lot, but he plays when Conley sits. Moutier, Clarkson, and Conley all tend to break the rhythm of the offense, but as long as they do it at the right time, it's not a big deal. It just kind of enhances it. But getting to that tip, that balancing point and getting that right, that seems to be what the next 25 games are about. But it seems like they're getting closer to it. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, that breaking the rhythm, is, as you mentioned, it's just isolating. And as much as it's awkward to look at because it's not what the Jazz run, it's not what most NBA teams run, but it's why everyone hated the Houston Rockets over the last few years, even though they've had these record-breaking offenses, because James Harden's the best isolator we've ever seen in NBA history, and they still had a great offense as a result of it. And, and really, I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be the most unguardable player on the floor. And, and we saw it in the third quarter last night. I thought both Emmanuel Moutier and Jordan Clarkson were unguardable. I thought we saw it against the Rockets for stretches that, that Mike Conley was as well. And it matters more in the playoffs because teams break your offense. Teams know how to get I mean, you can break an offense. The best defensive teams do it. The Jazz have done it for the last several years. They don't do it as much this year. Uh, and then you've got to have an answer to it. And I think that's where this value will continue to shine more so for the Jazz in the playoffs. But it would also help in the regular season when teams aren't uh, don't have the ability to take everything away for the Jazz to be able to run that offense that can be so effective uh, that Quinn Snyder has installed when Conley's on the floor. And I totally agree with that. Do you think the Nuggets are getting enough run as far as how good they are? I think there's some questions about what their ceiling is and that's why they don't get enough love because I don't know what major additions they made other than Michael Porter Jr. in the offseason. I don't think he's played for, I know he missed three games in a row at one point uh, in the last week, so I don't know if if that's why they're not getting as much love. I don't know if it's because if you don't like a big guy who passes a ball like Jokic does and looks a little awkward when he does it, if you don't like that maybe you're just not going to sit down and watch them and appreciate them. And, and I don't think that's trying to sound too elitist about basketball. I mean, there's certainly things that are fun to watch about them. It also really hurt. I mean, Jamal Murray missed a ton of games and got hurt again last night. And Paul Millsap hasn't played in seemingly a month now with a knee bruise. So uh, I think that might be part of it. But, but I think the bigger thing is how legit are they? I mean, do we think they can beat the Lakers? Can they beat the Clippers? I, I know they beat the Jazz twice in the last few weeks, but – that was the Jazz playing maybe their worst stretch of basketball of the season. I, I wouldn't pick Denver to beat the Jazz in a playoff series when Quinn Snyder can prepare for them. And I think that might be the issue. There's still some doubters uh, about how good they really can be, and they almost got eliminated in the first round last year to, uh, to, to a Spurs team. I want to say it was the seventh seed. So I, I think that's probably the bigger question. But they're dangerous. I mean, they've got, what, the fourth or fifth best record in the NBA overall? They're they're certainly playing really good basketball. I think maybe Michael Malone's probably due for a Coach of the Year award or at least a, a, a nomination for it and to be a finalist this year. How much do you think the Clippers are better than the Lakers and they're just sandbagging here in the regular season, resting up, pacing themselves? Uh, I think that's a really dangerous assumption for the Clippers to be making, and I think they are making it. I, I think sitting the players as often as they are, I understand it. I understand wanting to be healthy. Uh, you're going to need that. And they can do a lot of those things we've talked about that playoff teams can do, where Paul George can go off for 30, and Kawhi can certainly go off for 30, and Lou Williams can do the same thing. But the Lakers might be a sleeping giant. I, I know they're not perfect. I know they didn't address their point guard issues at the trade deadline, and Darren Collison's not coming in to save them. But LeBron James is still you know, the best player I've seen his entire career of. I didn't see all of Michael Jordan, but LeBron James is right there. Uh, and is legitimately in the conversation is the best we've ever seen. And Anthony Davis is going to be a mismatch regardless of who the Clippers think they can put on him. I mean, they they certainly don't have a big body that can go out and, and defend him that well. And I think Marcus Morris is good. Do I think he can win you a playoff series? That might be a little bit more of a dicey question. So I think the Clippers are good. I think they're in the conversation with the Lakers. I don't know if I'm convinced that they're head and shoulders better because LeBron in the playoffs, I, I mean, look at LeBron's 
points last night. It was something like you know, 17 points on 9 of 16 shooting. He's, he's not going out there and having to do what he did for the Cavs where he has to give you 38-8 eight and eight every night for them to have a chance to win games. He just doesn't have to do that. So while he's not sitting games like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are, he's probably resting. And he's certainly getting more rest than he ever has at this point in his career or, or at any point in his career uh, as a championship contender. And Anthony Davis is as good. Or, you know, Anthony Davis is better than Paul George. I feel confident saying that. So I, I don't know if Kawhi is significantly better than LeBron, if he is at all. And I don't think Paul George is better than Anthony Davis. And look at most playoff series. The best player wins. And the Lakers have you know maybe two of the top three, I think, in that conversation. And, and their one is as good as any other one we've ever seen. So they're good. The Clippers are really good and are, are a legit threat to, to make it out of the West. And, and maybe the Bucks are just the best team and, and are going to steamroll everybody. I don't think that's the case. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see the Lakers and LeBron James once again in the finals. You expect a nail-biter in the All-Star game? Because I need to know. <laughs> well, I don't, I, honestly, and I'm going down there. I'm leaving on Thursday. I don't even know what the format is for the quarter still. I know they're doing the, uh, the Ode to Kobe Bryant, and you, you score so many points a quarter, one through three, and then they reset it, and then they set a, you know, a goal number in the fourth quarter to get there. It's just a lot. It's kind of going to be hard to follow, I think, a little bit, especially because it's not a game that people sit down like a playoff game and watch for the points. They watch for the highlights. So now having to track the scoring, I think might be a little bit goofy. Uh, but LeBron James, and no offense to Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert, who were drafted by Giannis, LeBron James is a much better general manager than Giannis is and picked much better players. So it might not be a, uh, a nail-biter at all. So you're saying LeBron's not only a great player, he's like Jerry West, too? He might be. He, he could have a post. He could have a post NBA career that good if he decided he wanted to be a, a front office person. I suspect he's probably more of an owner, and then you'd hope as an owner he doesn't meddle too much in what the uh, the front office does. But LeBron, LeBron's a, a great basketball mind, and then maybe he is. Maybe he has a chance to be the next Jerry West. Ben, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. We'll hear you on the games. Hey guys, thanks. All right, listen to Ben right here on the Zone Sports Network, Jazz pre, half, and post games. Gordy Chaser does a few, he does a few. And Tim Lacombe sits in once in a while as well. Uh, on a week from Saturday. You? <laughs> nice. It's now playoff time. I start coming aboard. Let them, let, let them guys handle the peripheries. Yeah. Handle the what? Peripheries. You ever heard of that? That's kind of like on the side type of, is that, is that too big of a word for you? I don't think you used it exactly right, but that's okay. The peripheries? The peripheries. Wait a second here. On the periphery. You're questioning. He went plural, though. I know. But y'all right. said, like, proliferies the first time. Peripheries. He did. Yeah. That was why I asked yeah. for the. Yeah. I thought I said peripheries. You, said, like, you threw in a bonus L. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're a bonus L yourself. Bada bang. <laughs> hey. I know a guy. I got a bone to sell. Who wants it? I know a guy. Chris Burgess, BYU men's assistant basketball coach, coming up in about 15 minutes. The push for the NCAA tourney is on. We'll talk with Chris. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz beat the Dallas Mavericks. Was there any uh, any downside to this game? Or back-to-back on the road, anything that went wrong, you just blew it off because they're playing a playoff team on the road, back-to-back when the other team's rested. So screw it. If something went wrong, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they won the game yeah. and led the whole way. You're playing a team that's halfway decent without its best player at home. I expect them to be competitive. I don't expect them to win by 25. I was surprised they're up 20 at halftime, actually. <laughs> I thought it would be closer the whole way. If anything, I thought the Jazz would have to come from behind. But they didn't. They uh, led, and they maintained the lead. It got a little close, but eh, expect that at home against a decent team. No. What, what downside could you have? Absolutely none. Zippo, zero. Well, Nada. There's, there's a few people on our social well, media decrying a few people who are the idiots. Dallas runs, the Donovan turnovers. Donovan did end up with nine turnovers in the game. <laughs> Don. Hey, LeBron had eight last night. Eh. Did he? Yeah. I mean, those. I don't see any difference between LeBron and Don. <laughs> there it is. Bronny and Donnie. I see no difference between Bronny and Donnie. A little bit of difference. What? One taller. Three championships. Oh, yeah, but how many did he have when he was 23? One guy's a decade older. He had zero. Right. Irregardless. <laughs> irregardless. Yeah. When in doubt, just default to irregardless. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It makes complete and total sense. If you don't think so, you're an nincompoop, not me. All right, Jacob, back off with your whole Mitchell needs to take care of the ball down the stretch. The Jazz well, are see, lucky they were too better. costly turnovers. That you don't play as well they as you can and you win. They didn't play win. a perfect game and they still won. And Don, he had nine. And nine for Don is too much. We agree with that. Or did he have eight? Did he have nine or eight? LeBron had eight. Donovan had nine. Oh, because I, I, I constantly get Le- I know you do. Bronny and Donnie confused. Dustin, giving up a large lead to a mediocre Mavs team was sketchy. Yeah, and the Nuggets were down 23 to an even more mediocre Spurs team, and they won the game. You think they're obsessing on the other side of them mountains right now? No. Dallas is 10 games over 500. The Spurs are nine games under 500. Yeah, and, and uh, Luka was Luka not Nonsich available. Was out. Luka, not available. And he looked good there with the uh, the jeans and the you know with the holes in the knee. Now, do your jeans do you have holes? Because that's fashionable. Yeah, it is. Do you have any of those? No. <laughs> well, yeah, I do. I just don't wear them around town to work and stuff. So no, no, but but I have them. Yes, I mean, oh, you do in the yard. In the yard, yeah. No, but that, that these are new. But not. When, no, when I don't you're have going the going new. Going out on the town. Right. No, that's my point. I'm not wearing them to work, which he did. He's wore them to the game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not wearing them if I go out to dinner. No. I'm what not. like cutting edge stylish clothes? do you have that would ruin my image and you know that <laughs> what do you got oh a purple tie <laughs> but you know if you're gonna go out on a, on a whenever night you choose to go out yeah. with sweetie you're not wearing a tie no no so no. i'm talking about you know when you're when you're any casual and you're trying to look your best what are you donning oh the uc santa barbara hoodie are you kidding me Old school. Did you miss the point where I said where you're trying to look your best? Oh, I did miss that point. My bad. You're trying to be fashionable. Chic. You're trying to fit in. What does Sniggy wear? 
people. What do you think Sneaky wears <laughs> we don't have time when he's this. trying to look, you know, just he's got to go. He's trying to he's trying to look to the 100th. Whatever, whatever my wife. When you puts see Sneaky, wear this. Man, that is to so one, dope. <laughs> to the 100th. <laughs> Yeah. Come on. Come on, man. When you're trying to look good and it's not work related, so you don't have to wear those stupid suits. Yep. Man, am I happy that Chris Burgess what are you is coming wearing? up next. You and the, you and the wifey, you're going to go out and, you know, maybe check a movie, get something to eat, maybe do a little dancing. You know, and maybe think and about... she's in her Kmart cocktail dress? I don't, I yeah. don't know whatever she wears. Well, we I mean, learned it from watching you, all right? What do you wear? It's not about her. It's what do you... When you're trying to look modern, what is it? BYU men's basketball Come coach. Come on, we want to know. Assistant Chris Burgess. He wants to know. I'm going to ask him, what do you next. think Sniggy wears? Stay with us.